nestled off a road in mid-Missouri, behind chain-link fencing and no trespassing signs, a brick factory sits abandoned. This, the AP Green Factory, was once the economic backbone of the city of Mexico, Missouri. Until, in 2002, it closed. Today, like many cities in America, Mexico is reimagining itself as a haven for new business. It's no longer a one-industry town. Welcome to Outstate, a series on small-town entrepreneurship, brought to you by Missouri Business Alert. This episode takes us to Mexico, Missouri. I'm Annika Merrilies. Testing one, two, three. Here we are in the KBIA studios. All right, here we go. I'm joined in the studio by Missouri Business Alert reporters Megan Liz Smith and Christopher Teig. So guys, before we introduce our cast of characters, I was thinking we could give a quick description of what Mexico is like and what we did there. Would you guys mind setting the scene? As we pulled in, it had already started raining and the sky was all overcast and a bit ominous. What does the center of town look like? There's a lot of these really big, old, very beautiful brick buildings and it's a lot of faded lettering and painting and it's like being in a movie in the middle of Missouri. There is people walking around and there is a slew of restaurants mostly and a lot of boutiques and other shops selling kind of the more unique types of things. So we started walking around, figuring out Mexico's entrepreneurship scene, putting together the pieces of the puzzle. But that wasn't enough. We needed to know about the table the puzzle is built on. The AP Green Factory is still on a lot of people's minds. Throughout our reporting, we asked a lot of questions about it. But even when we didn't, people often brought it up. Well, if you've talked to anybody else, you know about the AP Green plant. You know, that was kind of our icon, if you will, for a long time. We had the the number one brick manufacturing headquarters in our town. They call it Brick City. When we first opened up, there was a big company, the AP Greens of Factories, which was a big, big industry. We used to be the Brick City. My grandpa used to work there, and they did well. They employed almost everyone in Mexico, it seemed like. And Mexico was really, like, rolling in the dough. So when they closed, it put a lot of people in binds. There was no jobs. There was nothing. It was just such a big part of Mexico to lose. Yeah. It was Mexico. Yeah. Those were three small business owners in Mexico. Even though we didn't ask about the AP Green factory, they all brought it up as they described Mexico's business environment. In our quest to understand the impact of the brick factory on Mexico's economy, we spoke with Russell Runge. He's Mexico's assistant city manager in charge of economic development. Russell told us how, around the turn of the century, there was a type of clay found in the area that can be used to make heat-resistant bricks. As a result, several brick plants opened. They made bricks that were used to line kilns in the steel industry. The main one, AP Green Refractories, employed at one point over 1,000 people in the area and uh, the early 90s, uh, that completely disintegrated and, and went away due to the steel industry going overseas. People were let go from their jobs, and those were both white-collar jobs with people working in sales offices and manufacturing jobs. 
there were white collar jobs, office office workers, and then and that was a portion of the of the facility, and then the majority of it was people who manufactured the the bricks themselves, whether they were forklift operators or working with their hands in, in the product, or whatever the case may be. From there. And Russell said the factory didn't go away overnight. It was a gradual process over the course of several years. By the time it finally closed, it was they were just down to a couple hundred people, a skeleton crew. If it were just all at once, it would have been very, very painful. But yeah, it, it was over a period of time to a certain degree. We asked Russell how the city prepared for the plant's closure. He said that beginning in the 80s, the city council has tried to diversify the economy so a big hit like that doesn't happen again. We knew that we had to bring in other, other businesses. So one of the first ones that came in was uh, Teva Pharmaceuticals. And Zenith Aircraft manufactures a light aircraft kit planes. Then True Manufacturing, Spartan Light Metals, for the most part, I think it's, you know, it played a role, but it's just the way the economy rolls, you know. You get your ups and downs, and it's no different than the steel industry itself. You got a lot of rebounds that you have to continue to bounce back from. Russell mentioned some of the bigger companies that have helped diversify Mexico's economy. But in addition to those companies, Mexico has seen an upswing in smaller businesses as well. Storefronts, new and old, are surviving and thriving in the downtown area. So, armed with some knowledge about Mexico's economic history, we headed to the town square to hear from local entrepreneurs about what the business environment is like today. Here's Melody Farnan. She's the owner of Melody's Quality Jewelry, one of the more established businesses on the square. Her store has been around for 23 years, and she's seen Mexico through its twists and turns. Over the past 23 years, it's been like a roller coaster. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I first started out, there were four jewelry stores in town. Right. So here is uh, a country girl coming back to town to try to start a jewelry store. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to make it? I had many months that I did less than $100. Wow. I mean, it was it was nothing. And there were some days that I maybe did five or ten dollars. Melody also spoke about what it was like for her business when the brick factory shut down. They went out of business several years after I had already been here. Mm -hmm. That was a big blow because there were so many people working in that industry and those were people that enjoyed jewelry, could afford the jewelry industry. So then after that, we took a little bit of a slump, a little bit. But, you know, you just you keep plowing through and you keep working hard and you try new things. So um, that was a little bit of a down. But since then, we have a lot of factories that have come to town. So I, I think the industry is increasing. I really do. Last year, we had our best year ever. Melody credits some of the recent upswing to the supportive relationships between the downtown businesses. I think that's why we have more businesses around town, mm-hmm. because we work off of each other. If Lana has a piece of jewelry, and I know that somebody's looking for that jewelry, I'm going to either walk them over there to it, if they're from out of town, or I'm going to give Lana a call and say, hey, Lana, do you have this watch? You know, why not? If you can keep people working and looking in our town, then they're going to think of us before they go to, you know, a bigger town. Melody's Jewelry Store is one of the more established businesses on the square. 
But there's also a wave of young entrepreneurs whose businesses are only a couple of months or a couple of years old. Here is Marissa Lightsey, the owner of The Wild Child, a baby clothes store in Mexico. Marissa opened her store in the spring of 2018 when she was just 21 years old. Marissa says she was inspired in part by April Baker, her friend and fellow Mexico entrepreneur whose boutique recently expanded. It was just like all of our new stores opening up. It's bringing people down here that have never shopped here before. I think there's a lot more people that are shopping local for sure. Marissa decided to open The Wild Child because she was tired of driving to Colombia, almost an hour each way, to buy clothes for her one-year-old son. Marissa acknowledges the challenges of what she's doing, keeping up with everything that needs to get done, navigating IRS forms, balancing work and family, getting people to shop local. Despite those challenges, she makes opening a business sound attainable. It really wasn't as bad as, you know, everyone kind of thinks. I think it seems, you know, opening up a business seems like it's going to, it's a huge monster, like it's going to take forever and it seems impossible, but it's really not. I feel like there's a lot more people who are at least kicking around the idea. She had her store up and running within five months of coming up with the idea, and that's while her and her husband were both working full-time jobs and caring for a new baby. Financially, it's been great. Um, I would say even just in this last week, I was telling my husband last night that I've noticed a lot more new faces coming in uh-huh. that I did not notice before. So it's like I'm reaching new people. I'm getting people from Montgomery City, Wellsville, Vandalia. Mexico's in a decent place right now, I would say. And there are facts to back up that sentiment. Mexico's population is the highest it's been since the U.S. Census Bureau started tracking it 26 years ago. And according to city officials, they saw 102 new business licenses in 2017, compared with only 37 in 2016 and 15. Some of that increase is due to contractors who have come in to help build new apartments, a new plant, and a new clothing line distribution center. A town that revolved around one industry is becoming something much more. This has been Outstate, a series on small-town entrepreneurship, brought to you by Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced and edited by me, Annika Merrilies, and includes reporting by Megan Liz Smith and Christopher Teig. Our music was produced by Elliot Bowman. There are several other stories from Mexico that we didn't have time for in today's podcast. To learn about how Nigeria and aeronautics relate to Mexico, or how a multi-million dollar renovation has created a regional arts hub there, visit MissouriBusinessAlert.com. And stay tuned for more stories of small town entrepreneurship from other parts of the state.